state agencies are prohibited from using federal funds for something that the federal government sees as illegal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're telling me the fastest growing industry year over year is growing by 25% or more year over year. It's the fastest growing industry in our lifetime. It's got more jobs than dentists and car mechanics and all these other things combined. It's it's generating revenues for the state and the state doesn't allocate funds to help people build that workforce. Yeah. And we went, wow, okay. Well, to bolster our, our, our for-profit enterprise, let's stand up a nonprofit and support the workforce development because it makes sense from a business point of view. Mm -hmm. So it was a pragmatic choice for us. And it was also a necessary choice because we wanted to, to bolster the for-profit business. And what happened was the, the nonprofit became such a, such a fulfilling, impactful thing that we rolled the for-profit into the nonprofit. We did it backwards. And so we used the might of our, of our private company and bolstered the nonprofit. And, uh, and it's been the best thing that I've ever done. I've had more fun. I've, I've felt more enriched and satisfied doing this work than I ever did growing and selling weed. Welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. In this episode, I have an intriguing guest. Matt Hoffman has spent the last 13 years in cannabis, both owning and operating grows and dispensaries. Now he helps cannabis job seekers get jobs in the cannabis space through their nonprofit called Our Cannabis. His team and Matt make work readiness classes available for free to anyone who wants help getting a job in the cannabis industry. Our Cannabis is the first and only cannabis nonprofit in the business of preparing job seekers for employment 100% free. There isn't much they haven't done in cannabis and that's why they feel they are the right people to help you because they know what it's like out in the cannabis space. After all, they helped grow it. Let's meet Matt and hear his story. Hello, Matt, and thanks for joining me here on Gramps Place. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. You bet. You are the chairman of a 501c3 company uh, called Our Cannabis. Please tell our listeners what Our Cannabis is and what you do. Yeah, so Our Cannabis is the first and only 
workforce development nonprofit in the world. And give you an example of what we do and what that means. I could say, well, you know, we, we do job readiness and workforce development programming for free for anybody who wants to work in the cannabis field. But that, that kind of gets lost on people because what the heck does that mean? So I'll give a quick example. So we had, uh, we had a guy come to us about two years ago. His name is Dane. And he, he would never call himself a master grower, but if he did, he, would, he wouldn't be wrong. And he was looking for a job for a year and he couldn't even get an interview. And so when he came to us, he was a bit disheartened. And I said, okay, give me your resume. And he did. And it was 11 pages long, <laughs> single space, 11 point font. And I went, wow, <laughs> no one's going to read this novel, bud. No one. So we, we rewrote his resume down to two pages. And uh, within a week of giving that resume back to him, he had three competing job offers, not interviews, offers. And cool. we were able to walk him through the leveraging process and taught him how to pit them against each other and negotiate for a better salary and uh, benefits and all the things that come with that. And he's been in charge of a, a few thousand plant canopy since then. They've gone through an expansion. He's in charge of an entire licensed facility. So that's, an, that, that's a real world example of what we do in our cannabis and, and the services that we provide. So we really can support people from every walk, talk, color, creed, age, education level, experience level, and just guide people into the field and, and help support them as they grow their careers. And all of our services are, are no cost. Wow. So, yeah. so there's zero pre-qualification is what you're telling me. Got to have the, got to have the drive and the, the commitment to, to get through the, get through the work. That's it. Sure. Sure. And, and we, you know, we've had people that have come to us and cause it takes a commitment, spend about 40 hours, 20 hours in class with us. There's, there's pre-work that can be done. And then about 40 hours between in class and out of class work. So it's a, you know, people got lives and jobs and so it's a time commitment. So it, it, the prerequisite is the commitment. And we've had a couple of people come through and say, Hey, oh man, I've got X, Y, and Z going on. I don't have time for this. And I'd say, Hey, see that door. It's always open. Come back when you're ready. See, yeah. see you then. And, and one of them did, and that was great. So yeah. Just... Cool. Well, uh, of course I went and checked out your website and, uh, one thing I found interesting when I visited your website is that you have a unique partner or, or your co-founder, uh, tell everyone who that person is, why she's perfect for the job. Yeah. Well, I, I've known her my whole life because it's my mom, Beth Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she's uniquely qualified in, in two ways. One, I convinced her 13 years ago to cash in her retirement, her 401k and, and what I had which combined out to $37,500 and start a cannabis company with me. And, uh, Needless to say, it was we failed big time, <laughs> and end up going to get two jobs and stand in line at the food truck and and really had to pay our dues. But we end up winning uh, back to back to back caregiver cups in Michigan, which are like state championships in 2015, and end up standing up our own vertical a dispensary or warehouse grow, employing 12 full time staff members, and and doing about 1.3 million net a year in revenue. You know, it took eight years to do that, but that that's our background and that's the one reason that she's 
uniquely qualified to help people get jobs in the cannabis field is she's she's helped scale and and build a vertical multi-million dollar business. The second the second part is that uh, before that before she endeavored into cannabis with me, her her education, her master's degree is in human resources and workforce development from Western Michigan University. She's worked at multiple nonprofits focusing on helping mentally and physically disabled adults get jobs and do on the job training. She's worked with refugees, uh, specifically Arabic refugees, helping them get jobs and do on the job training. She doesn't speak Arabic, by the way. She's done industrial training. She's worked at different universities and their career placement offices. She's worked uh, for the state of Michigan. She's been a program director for the state of Michigan. She's been a headhunter. When you name it, she's she's done it in job readiness and workforce development programming. And so when we when we made our foray into uh, our second business, which was like the indeed of weed, it was a it's called handgrown.jobs. When we saw the need for the workforce development programs that we now provide through our cannabis, well, it was just the right people, the right place at the right time, given her background in education and background and and education in cannabis that you know we were the only people that really had the background in both that were willing to service the people in the cannabis community. So, you know, I I I don't know if you call that serendipitous or, or fate or uh, meant to be, but whatever you call it, there she is, and here we are. So. So uh, I gotta know uh, what was that conversation like with with mom saying, "Hey, mom, let's start a marijuana <laughs> business." <laughs> well, uh, you know, a wise man once told me people are much more agreeable when they have a full belly. So I made. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she came home one night, and uh, I made dinner. I don't I don't know what it was, and uh, we sat down at the table, and I said, "Okay." Well, let's talk about the big picture. How do you think life's going to go? And she said, I'm probably going to fall over dead at my desk. And I said, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to end up working in a factory or or something like that, too. But and I wrote a little proposal out and I said, I slid it across the table and I said, OK, well, here's a here's a plan that I think that we could change that. And it took about 15 minutes or so. And she said, OK, go go learn some more and let's talk about it again. So I did. It took about three months of research and and diving in and I uh, came back and I said, OK, well, I think it's going to take about three thousand dollars to do this. And she said and she said, OK. So she went and got it and I went to the grow shop and spent that in about 10 minutes and came back and I said, well, what I learned today was that's not enough money. If we want to actually make money doing this, we're going to have to put more money in. How much do we have? Well, she said, how much do you need? And I said, well, how much do we have? She said, well, we got about, you know, 35,000, 30,000. And I said, okay, go get it. And uh, I remember she came back from the bank and she said that the the whole the whole branch had descended on her in her little office, pleading with her not to take her 401k out. No, Miss Hoffman, please don't do it. it, it, it the penalties and it's going to be the worst thing you've ever done. You're giving up your future. Yeah. And uh and they were right for a couple of years, but uh, after that, man, we proved them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the the real difference was is that we're both workaholics, and we're both we were both so committed that uh, failure we just failed forward, 
and uh, and just kept working at it and just absorbed as much knowledge as we could. And there wasn't anything that was that was below us, whether it was going and standing in line at 530 in the morning and, and getting free pancakes and getting a, a food basket or working two jobs and then building the business. We didn't care. We were just we were so committed that there was there was no way that we wouldn't be successful in it. That worked out <laughs> yeah. until it didn't until until guys with machine guns started kicking in our doors and, and pointing them at us. Then things changed. But until yeah. then, it was pretty good. <laughs> so uh, that that brings me to my next question: What happened? Why 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 did why did that prosperity end? Well, it uh, it ended because you just simply couldn't do what I was doing. Well, you could. We 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 could. We could do what we were doing at the time because it was you know it was in that window really before 2016. So it was really really the early days of the wild west of of cannabis in Michigan and in the country. And so we were working in a in a gray area. And uh, while it was gray, there were specialized militarized police agencies that were, were drawn up. We met the West Michigan uh, Marijuana Eradication Team and the Met Marijuana Eradication Team, which are state-funded uh, specialists who hunt people like us. And uh, I ran one of three dispensaries in the second largest, fastest growing city in, in Western Michigan. And there's no way that we could do that even as under the radar as we were and, and not get hit. And we did. <laughs> oh, man, did we? We Twice. Twice we got hit. And um, what people don't know is that when they come, they come hard. And they're not playing. They're, they're, they're coming for your neck. They don't, and they don't throw soft blows. And I was really fortunate that I had connected with some people really early on and they said, Hey, Matt, you need to start safeguarding yourself. And I, I'm the type of person that I don't listen to good advice. I act on it. Yeah. And the fact that I did that saved our butts big time. Yeah. They, they, they took everything, every, every single thing they took. You talk about, yeah. You talk about when they come, they come hard. We we've got a case and I'm not going to mention any names or anything because it's an ongoing current case and I don't want to cause them any issues, but you know, in 2018 when they, they had the farm bill, right? Yeah. 2019 Texas passed their own hemp program bill, right? Went into effect in September of 2019 and people started growing hemp in 2020. Um, and it has become a thriving industry in the state of Texas. It's all 0.3% or less, or they have to destroy it, right? But uh, they've got CBD products out. And of course, they've all dove into the Delta 8 line and, and whatnot as well. But and now they're even doing the the hemp derived uh, Delta Nine THC gummies and stuff, uh, because as long as they say it's hemp derived, it's considered legal. Once again, gray areas, right? <laughs> so, uh, the, there's a, a company. These people, these two friends, best friends, lifelong friends. One is a veteran. Decided to start their own hemp company. And they they did the due diligence. I mean, they really went through the legal aspects 
the ins and outs, the ups and downs. They hired two or three different lawyers, got two or three different opinions, and uh, they they put their ducks in a row to where when and if Texas ever gets a, a full THC program, whether it be medical or, or adult use, they would be ready to just fall right into it. You know, that's how much due diligence they did up front. And uh, sheriff came, took everything. Yeah. Charged them yeah. charged him with growing marijuana. Yep. Uh, and, and said they, you know, they showed him their licenses issued from the state of Texas, everything. They didn't care. They took it all. And that's that it's tied up right now in criminal case, right? And it, it's it crazy. <laughs> I mean, you can you can mouth off all you want, but when dudes are standing there with shotguns and machine guns and flap jackets, you ain't doing nothing. No, you're going to do what they tell because, you. Because they'll at, at at least they'll beat the hell out of you. At least. At the at the very least. Very yeah. least. And that's and, if you're and they have the they have the ability to do a whole lot worse than that. They do. And man, oh man, I ooh, I got chills. That's. Oh, yeah, it's that's scary. That's this scary. Is, this, this is this is. I think this went down like last October, and they're still going. They, I mean, they lost everything. Well, and th- that's the thing is that they'll they'll take everything you own, and then and I mean everything. So we we, we kept our house somehow. Um, I have no idea how we did that, but and we we had we had a vehicle, and that was house great, but um. That when you have no money, then it's it's like, oh my God, I got to get groceries. I've got a mortgage. I've got to keep the electricity on. Oh my God, it's $10,000 for a, a retainer for an attorney. And that's before we go to trial. And and this, this is going to go on for two years. And the police know that. And that I might catch some irony for this, but the, but the, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But the community doesn't do that great of a job of coming out and supporting our own. It's not been something no. that we've done. No. And it, it's more like, hey, I hope you have survived, but uh, I don't want what happened to you to happen to me. So I'm not, I'm not coming out. And it's, it's easy to become resentful too, but also to understand, yeah, that'll happen. That'll, that'll yep. happen. So yep. it's, uh, I, I feel for him and the, the burden the burden is to prove that, uh, and and most likely, you know, we've seen this in other in other states that uh, it'll prove out and they'll be okay, but they're going to have to go through the process regardless. Yep. And and with civil asset forfeiture, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother ball of wax. Mm-hmm. So they're just fighting for their liberty, which is paramount. But the their assets, that's a whole. Jeez. Yeah, to try to get recoup any of their investment back, which you know would be just the assets, uh, their whole crop and everything is going to be gone. You know, it's oh yeah, it's yeah. history. Well, you yeah. know, I hate to say it, but they, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> it's a trivial, stupid thing. But making lemonade out of lemons, I mean, they they got their stripes. I mean, I've I've served time for for cannabis, and I guess my. My novelty prize is I get to say, "Oh, I served time for cannabis. I'm I'm a legacy guy. Look, I I went to jail for it. Well, I would I would prefer not to have gone to jail and not have that moniker. You know, it's not that bad. Sure. But uh, but the the truth is, is that you know where where we ended up as far as 
why am I not at the helm of a, of a multi-state corporation is I was prohibited. And the legacy guys, the early, you know, when 2016 rolled around and we had the Michigan Medical Marijuana Facility and Licensing Act, people who had a rap sheet, you're out, buddy. Yeah. They, 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 were, they were disqualifying people who had uh, speeding tickets from 1967. So it's, uh, as you mentioned, they went through all the due diligence, but also look what just happened with uh, the Jungle Boys out in uh, on California. Yeah. I mean, again, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a rough, it's a rough patch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. So what made you decide you wanted to start sharing your knowledge about how to how to work in the cannabis industry and how to be successful in the cannabis industry? I didn't. I didn't. I, you know, I got in this to make money and uh and and I saw over time the the way that the community of people that said that they cared about people that had compassion didn't they were incongruent with their actions. And uh, I, I took I took issue with the industry, the early days of the caregiver market. I took issue. You got to treat people well. And I, I, so, but but to to cut right to the chase, I I never I never thought I I never thought I'd start a indeed of weed i never thought i'd start a nonprofit. i i want to drive ferraris and live in miami and go to europe and <laughs> find my french you know i got in this to make money and um like as i said that 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 changed over time but when i got out of jail and uh had nothing except for my experience which was very very valuable and uh i was prohibited i couldn't i couldn't pursue a license and I went geez nobody there's there's three people in the city of Grand Rapids there's there's three people in the second largest fastest growing city and I think we're the ninth largest state in the U.S. I'm one of three people that knows how to run a business a multi-million dollar business in this market one of three and I can't and I just I just went oh my god what do I do and I thought okay well first thing I had to do is I got to get my record cleaned up so I began lobbying, which, you know, it was successful, but it took four years uh, for automatic expungements. I went, okay, well, I, I want to participate in this. I know how to grow weed. I know how to sell weed. And I know how to do it better than pretty much everybody here. And I, I just did. So I need to get my record expunged so I can participate in this market. So I did that and uh, ran out of money because it was very early and, Nobody, nobody really cared about automatic expungements or the criminals, the legacy guys, but endeavored on. And I thought, oh my God, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna run out of money. I gotta do something. So I went back to mom again, like I did years earlier, and I said, well, we're effed. What do we do? And what do we have? So we kind of metaphorically laid out what we had on the table, and we thought, okay, we could start a, a staffing company and do job placements. But again, you had to have background checks and I'm a criminal and you'd have to have uh, enough money in the 
enough money to buy a license and then capitalization requirements and all this stuff that we couldn't do. I thought, okay, what can we do? Let's forget about what we can't do. What can we do? And so we thought, okay, we can leverage technology and, and do like a, a Zillow of cannabis hiring. And so we put the rest of the money that we had into this tech startup that I knew nothing about because I know how to grow weed and sell weed and scale businesses. I don't know how to make a website and do all this other stuff, but I learned pretty fast and uh, it took off, exploded. It just, and I went, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, to give you an example, we held a job fair on a Thursday night and it was, uh, I think like five in, five in the evening. I rented a space that had uh, fire capacity for 99 people and 763 people showed up in a two hour period. Wow. <laughs> I'd say that's successful. It was, and, it just, <laughs> and it just kept snowballing from there. And what happened was our emails and our inboxes were inundated with people saying, hey, uh, should I bring a joint to an interview? Should I bring a plant to an interview? Should I show people my Instagram in an interview? Should I wear a tie? Uh, am I going to go to jail for work in the industry? How do I make a resume? What Should I put that I grew weed on a resume? Help me, help me, help me. And I mm -hmm. went, whoa, you know what? There's a, there's a service. And I went, why doesn't the state do this? Well, the reason is, is that state agencies are prohibited from using federal funds for something that the federal government sees as illegal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're telling me the fastest growing industry year over year is grown by 25% or more year over year. It's the fastest growing industry in our lifetime. It's got more jobs than dentists and car mechanics and all these other things combined. It's, it's generating revenues for the state and the state doesn't allocate funds to help people build that workforce. Yeah. And we went, wow, okay. Well, to bolster our, our, our for-profit enterprise, let's stand up a nonprofit and support the workforce development because it makes sense from a business point of view. Mm -hmm. So it was a pragmatic choice for us. And it was also a necessary choice because we wanted to, to bolster the for-profit business. And what happened was the, the nonprofit became such a, such a fulfilling, impactful thing that we rolled the for-profit into the nonprofit. We did it backwards. And so we used the might of our, of our private company and bolstered the nonprofit. And, uh, and it's been the best thing that I've ever done. I've had more fun. I've, I've felt more enriched and satisfied doing this work than I ever did growing and selling weed. This is more to my nature. I'm, I'm a social butterfly. I'm, I'm extroverted. And because I've been in cannabis so long, you know, I'm a little pent up that I, I never get to, I never got to talk about what I did. Yeah. So we we built a, a, a fantastic business, and I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't. I, I, I'd meet a girl, and uh, I work at the local YMCA to socialize. I work at the rock climbing wall, and she'd say, "Oh, what do you do?" And I said, oh, "I just work here." <laughs> I'm not at the helm of a. Of a, of a growing business, I'm not one of three people in the city doing something special. No, I'm just a dude that works at the YMCA. <laughs> I mean, so to, to be here on a podcast or 
on social media or anywhere and, and get to talk about these things. <clears throat> it's suited to what I like to do and and it's fun. I mean, it's it's fun to see people who otherwise would be left out have a chance to participate and find the success and the joy in the cannabis field in the way that I did. Maybe yeah. not not in their own way, but but to be able to to help provide that opportunity because that's what I had. And uh, it's just more often than not, I uh, I feel like I'm just messing around half the day because it, I'm just having a hoot doing what I'm doing. That's the way you, <laughs> that's the way you want it to feel, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. But but I so, didn't start out. I didn't start out this way. You know, I I, I had I'm I'm a very ambitious man. And uh, I, and like I said earlier, I think that I don't think I know with the utmost conviction that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because here's the thing, Chris, nobody that could do what, what, what I could do would do what I do because there's no money in it. I don't make, I don't make money. I run a nonprofit. There's no money in it. Nobody would, would go, hey, could we, could we go and, and have a shot at at the championship belt, or could we go and, and run a nonprofit, a bucket nonprofit, and make forty grand a year? <laughs> Nobody would do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what what are some of the ways that you help people to be better prepared to enter the cannabis space as an employee? Yeah. So, really, we meet people where they're at because we have so many, we have such a diversity in people's backgrounds. Some people need a little bit, some people need a lot. You know, so we we really meet people where they're at. And there was a service, probably like everybody, I got solicited today that said that they could set up an automated intake funnel for me and do do a voice service. So everybody that contacted us would would get put through some automation. And I said, no. So we're a, a people we're we're a people organization. It's personal for us. And so there's not really a, a blanket approach, but in general, someone would come to us and we'd have a conversation with them and we'd say, okay, shoot your resume over and we'd look at it and then we'd have a conversation again. And then we would either help focus them at how their skills from a traditional role could translate into a cannabis role. And then we would tailor that resume for those roles. It, really, it's about teaching people how to fish and not fishing for them. And then we send them out, they go and find the jobs they're interested in, and then they come back when they've gotten an interview and we do interview training. So we'll walk people through the, you know, when we think about it, people only think about interviewing when it's time to interview. And those simple questions of, hey, tell me about yourself. Well, that, it seems like a softball, but people fumble that one a lot. And uh, we really just run people through the, how to speak concisely and professionally, which I'm definitely not doing on this show, which is which is great, but uh, <laughs> it's it's really just providing those those resources that aren't taught in high schools, that aren't taught in colleges, and uh, they ought to be. Yeah, that, they used that, to be. They they used to be. Yeah, and, I was going to say this. I was going to say what you're describing about our cannabis is almost to a T like a class it was called career opportunities yeah that, that we had to have before we could graduate the eighth grade yep and and uh i mean and that was uh, you're talking about 
about up there. I'm talking about in Texas even. We had to have that class. I don't think they teach that class anymore. No, no, they don't. You they know. Don't. And, and they don't teach it at colleges, which is a disservice because we have we have our effective rate is astronomical. So for we, we get nine out of 10 people that come through our programs. Nine out of 10 are working in the field. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, because it's a personal approach. And yeah. because, because of my mom's background, we know how to write a resume to get through the the screeners. And then because she's done so much hiring and because we know cannabis so intimately, we know how to prepare people for the interviews and also sharpen people like like growers and people from the legacy industry to be able to communicate with traditional HR people and convey their skills and their knowledge in a concise way to that hiring manager. So the, per, so the hiring manager goes, oh yeah, wow, you fit our job description and we, we should definitely hire you. And then they, the, our, I tell our, I, I say this publicly and I mean it because it's an invitation. If, if you are in an interview and someone from one of our cannabis alumni is there, you're screwed. You're not getting that job over one of our alumni because our people are so prepared and so polished. They're just going to beat the brakes off everybody. And uh, I love it because it's an open mm -hmm. resource. You know, we work with people. We work with people in Europe and Germany. We work with people in Australia. We're wrapping up working with a guy in India all across North America. So, I mean, it's a, it's an open door. It's a resource. You know, it's not, we're not closing the gate. Oh, it's only for these people and not you. No, come on in. You'll be just as, just as outstanding as the, the alumni that we already have. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And because you're a 501c3 nonprofit, you're able to do this a hundred percent free for your clients, right? Well, that was a, that was an argument that I had with our board and they would, you know, they, they pound the desk and go, Matt, we got to make money. You know, we can't just run on sunshine and daisies. And I'd say, you're right. You know, we've got to charge them. And I say, well, you know, if I ask for help, I just want someone to help me. That's what I want. So I'm the boss and that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so at no point in time have, have we charged. We did the very first, the very first one we did we charged for. It, and then when everybody showed up, I gave them a refund in cash. That was in 2018. We've never, we've never charged since so we never will. It's just, you know, that with, with the cannabis industry and cannabis philanthropy being a thing and as states roll forward grants being available and eventually federal grants being available and just philanthropy and fundraising in general, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to ask somebody for something when I know that they need help. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and you've been doing this successfully since 2018, right? 2018. Yeah. That's a pretty good track record. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're, we're quite, quite proud of it. And, you know, to be honest, we're, we're bottlenecked in that it's really, you know, it's, it's me and mom and we don't, we just, it, it, let me put it like this. It's like, you know, you go to the grocery store on a Friday evening and there's two cashiers running the checkouts and there's the whole county waiting to get out of the store. Yeah. That's us. We're just, we're just, we're just at our capacity of what, of what she and I can do with, with efficiencies and also our budget, you know, it's, it's expensive to stand one of these organizations up and I'm grateful that we had the, the remaining financial might to, to put it, 
a considerable sum into this thing, but the truth is, is that we got to we got to scale up and and we got to line out the door. We've had a line out the door since well before the pandemic started, and uh, because of the intense nature of the the time that we spend, we we run groups. You know, we'll do one on ones with people, but we we run groups because you just we have to. Um, but still, <laughs> we're swamped. We're so freaking swamped. Yeah. Well, that, that's not a bad thing. Well, but there, you know, there, there's everybody I talk to, myself included, would love to get into the industry, you know. Uh, so I can see why you're swamped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, um, it's one of those things of, I don't want people withering on the vine. You know, I, I had a lady yeah. about a year ago and I knew her personally and she said, Matt, I'm desperate. She's just very candidly. She says, I said, well, what do you want? And she said, well, this is what I can do. I have a science background and, and of course I grow. And she lived in, in one of these areas where there's just nothing near her. So she's going to face an hour commute minimum, any direction. And I said, okay, well, yeah, I mean, okay, well, what do you want? How can I help? And she said, just anything. I don't care. Anything. And I went, whoa. And you know, I do what I can. I mean, but th there are people like that. There are people that are stuck in some position that they hate and they're miserable and they're suffering. And they can make a choice and go do something else. Yeah, for sure. But I want to help them. I mean, that's what we're here to do. So it's a, it's a, it's a great problem to have from a, from a fundraising perspective. I can clearly say, see the line. Your donation shortens that line. That's the impact that you have. I can do that, but I don't want that. I, I don't want that. I, I want all those people through there, and I want us to have to go around and shake the bushes and say, hey, come on in, because th those are people that are now participating in the market. They're, those are people that are having better lives and that are helping growing the industry. That's, yeah. it, it's a problem. I mean, it's a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. So is, is this the only thing you're involved in now, or are you working with other charities as well, or uh, what else are you doing? You know, I... Uh, over the years, I have pulled irons out of the fire. And this is, there's two parts, there's two answers to your question. So I pulled, I pulled irons out of the fire. I don't, I don't, this is what I do. And, and it's more than enough, you know, because it's never been, it's never been done before. And we're standing up, a, we're standing up a, a basically a, a, a private foundation that is de facto an arm of the federal government. That's what we're doing. So it takes, it, it takes a, all my teeth and claws to fight with this thing because it's running a for-profit business and a non-profit dolphins and giraffes have more in common than those two do <laughs> so it's been uh it, it takes all my energies to to do this which is which is why it's so appealing another reason it's so appealing to me personally um so no i don't i don't do anything else this is more than enough we we do with but within that that house we do partner and uh, we're partnered with the state of Michigan social equity program. We partnered with them, geez, pretty early on, even before the program was stood up, we were talking to them about partnering with them. And there's a university here in Michigan. I can't, I can't say anything formally yet about a partnership with them. Um, that I can't say anything about Mississippi. I can't say anything about the state of New York. Um, or there's a, there's a nonprofit I just met in New Jersey. And we're, you know, we're, we're having an introduction call next week. So there's that. But 
we have been out in the in the lineup by ourselves for a number of years and uh and it's just kind of like looking around going okay well who's going to show up next and i can't wait to be friends with them because <laughs> the the people that choose to do nonprofit work uh especially early on i like i like first movers i like early adopters they're they're kind of my we're cut from the same cloth so yeah we're, we're looking for for collaboration and 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 that of course yeah absolutely so tell our listeners where they can find our cannabis if they're looking for your services yeah uh uh www.ourcannabisourcannabis.org and uh twitter uh np at npo underscore our cannabis on twitter matt hoffman h-o-f-f-m-a-n-n on LinkedIn, that's me personally. I'm I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter all day, and uh, our cannabis on on LinkedIn. I would steer clear of Facebook. We have a a token page up there just because, but I'm never there. So, if you message me, you might go two or three weeks for a year for me. But um, honestly, the the website's the best way to get a hold of us, and uh, it's ourcannabis.org. That's that's the number one way. And if I, there's I I promise you, there's no question that you have that we already haven't answered and there's probably nothing that you haven't done that that we can't we can't fit into the space i mean we're we're here to help and at no point in time am i going to say hey chris 50 bucks to do this for you 100 bucks to do that at most we're going to ask you to to follow us on twitter and retweet our posts or like our posts <laughs> it's a pretty cheap date <laughs> that's a pretty cheap date absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I'm glad that I I found you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can to share. Anytime somebody says something to me, I'm gonna point them in your direction, because yeah, I think do. I think it's a, a fabulous thing that you're doing, uh, especially for for those that that just never got what we got when we were in school. You know, I mean, like you say, they don't teach those things anymore. So I think it's a wonderful thing, and I want to thank you for coming on and telling us all about it. Well, yeah, thank you. And if there's anything I can do to help you, Chris, that don't hesitate to reach out. I'll, I'll always like and share your posts and, and do anything to help spread your advocacy. Like I said, I, I, I really do. I, I think it's a, a great thing that y'all are doing. I think it's fabulous that y'all are able to do it as a 501c3 and, and so that you can offer these, these services to people and, and this knowledge to people totally free. Uh, I it think it's a great thing. Makes all the difference. Grant's Place, the podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.